Amen. You can be seated. Let's go to Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And what I want to teach on tonight is an important, I think one of the most important things we need to grasp, and it's really articulated here in in a answer Jesus gives to a good question from somebody. Well, anyway, in verse 28, one of the scribes came and heard them among them, recognizing that he had answered them well. He asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? And um, Jesus answered, and, and this just shows how Jesus was so good at prioritization. Uh, in the chaotic moment that he was in, all the politicized volatility of the Roman occupancy, the clashes between Sadducees and Pharisees, sects within Judaism, uh, the scribes that uh, you know were watching and observing and taking notes. And he answers and said, the foremost is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. Say that with me. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There's no other commandment greater than these. In fact, John goes on later to call it a royal commandment. And um, so this is the foremost. This is the priority. Love God. And he starts out with Israel. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. And there were Roman uh, legions that were occupying Palestine at the time, and they were in gross idolatry. They were in pluralism. And, um, but yet, nevertheless, he, you know, he said, listen, there's only one God, and you're to love him with all that you have. Value him. Honor him. Esteem him. Praise him. Give your life to him. Walk with him. Know him. Serve him. You know, have affection for him. And that's where the action is. How many of you want to see some great results in your life? From here on out, you have no control over your past except to forget it and move forward. But you have everything to say about what goes on now into the future. Did you know that? We didn't have a say on being born, you know. Uh, that wasn't our call. But yet here we are. But we do have something to say about how we're going to end up. And um, this is a valuable hinge point. This is foremost. And uh, I'm going to give you an illustration. Um, my first car that I, we got was a 1969 Ford Falcon. A Ford Falcon was sort of a, a family Mustang. I wish I had a 69 Mustang because it would be worth a lot more than this beater of the, the crazy Falcon. But I, I like that Falcon. But you know, I didn't have a whole lot of income. I was going to college and working a clerk job. And, uh, and, but I, I like to get up and go, so I would buy gas. But I thought oil was optional. I didn't know a whole lot about mechanics, you know. And I thought, that's extravagant, man. I mean, you know. And, and so uh, I, just bought, I just bought gas. And um, I pulled into a gas station. I thought, I probably need to get an oil change. You know, I, I would sometimes buy a quart of oil and throw it in there, you know. And um, I just thought it was optional. 
and I took it to uh, Sears uh, Automotive, and, and uh, that's where I took it. And, and the guy, he couldn't get the oil filter off of my motor. He, was, he put it up on the hydraulics, you know, and he was, had this big strap kind of wrench, and he, he finally got it off. He goes, uh, excuse me, whose car is this, Falcon? I said, it's mine. I was in the, you know, reading the magazine. I said, it's mine. He said, come here, son. I came out, and, uh, I, you know, I kept, do you want me to come? I went out in the, then, you know, out into the interior of the garage, you know, and all lined up with cars. He said, come over here. He was polite, but he was firm and became very fatherly. He said, see, first of all, I could hardly get this off. It was fused on there. You know why? Because you didn't have any more oil in your crankcase. I said, well, is that bad? He goes, that's bad. It'll burn up your motor. And then he went and he, 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 he reached up with his finger and he pulled out tar. And he said, you got to keep oil in your crankcase. Turn around and look at somebody and say, keep oil in your crankcase. Or else you'll get cranky. I'm giving you an automotive lesson at St. Louis Family Church right now. I'm giving you an oil change right now because... Gas is the fuel that gets us down the road of life, the word, the, 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 the fellowship, and so forth. But, but the love of God is the oil that keeps all and everything uh, lubricated. The, the oil, uh, you, you guys ever use that PAM spray, the spray stuff, nonstick, it's oil-based, and it keeps things from sticking on your pan. And you could have, you know, you've seen those commercials where the eggs slide off of it and everything. So when you've got the oil, it'll keep things from sticking. And if you have oil in your crankcase, it'll keep things from grinding and sparking and wearing down. And so when Jesus says to the guy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, he said it's foremost, it's central. And then love your neighbor as yourself. This is the, the lubricant that's going to cause us to make a greater difference in the world. John chapter 13, verse 35, is the, the big, I think, important, John wrote this. He wrote this after he was on the Isle of Patmos, probably when he was in his 90s. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. This is putting oil in your crankcase and keeping it uh, a good oil change, keeping the right oil filter. How many of you know, your, what, what is the golden number for our cars for oil changes? How many miles? 3,000. So they put stickers up on your windshield. I repented for my sins and my transgressions when I had the altar call at Sears from that, the high priest of automotive over there. He took me to the woodshed, only it was in the garage, and he said, hey, man, and I learned my lesson, and actually that car just kept, that car appreciated that so much that it gave me many extra miles for just uh, putting oil in that, in, in taking better care of it, and I, I changed the oil, and I still do that. I, it's burnished in my system, and I pray that you guys get an awareness of what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It starts off so strong, doesn't it? It's right in the context of all these miracles and all. How many of you want to see signs, wonders, and miracles and answered prayer and more souls coming to the kingdom? Churches packed, hearts touched, lives changed. I do. 
But yet it says here in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, it says, um, earnestly desire gr uh, the greater gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. I want to have the gas that causes me to go down the, the path of life and get across the finish line, but I also want to have that more excellent lubricant because Galatians 5, 6 says that faith works through love. Verse 1, it says, If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but I do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And, uh, or a, a, you know, a, a, a banging trash can lid. Verse 2, And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith to move, remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned and do not have love, it profits me nothing. So this is Paul articulating how imperative it is that we get our crankcases full of that oil of the Holy Spirit. You know, there are so many phobias, and that's a Greek word. Uh, phobia is a word for fear, and they'll put that on you uh, if you fear people, you have this kind of phobia or that kind of phobia. You could have arachnophobia where you're afraid of spiders and so forth. And there's just all kinds of phobias, hundreds of phobias. And I didn't know till recently that the antonym in the Greek for phobia is phileo. I didn't know this until just the other day in my study. How many of you have learned new things as you've gotten, gone on and on as a life learner? I've learned new things. And phobia and phileo... Are, are contrasts of one another. Phobia is fear. Phileo is love. And uh, there, are, there are Greek words for love. The, the big one in the church is agape. But phileo is important. And, and the other one is storge. Eros is the, is the intimate one with a husband and wife in marriage. Storge, that's physical contact. Phileo is a very special Brotherly love, family type of love. And agape is, a, is the God kind of love. It's unconditional love. And um, God wants us to understand this going forward because it says in Matthew 24, 12, you don't have to turn to this, but because of lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. So there is a huge diminishment currently in the world so then, therefore, there must be an oil change and a fresh filter slapped on the church and each one of us as individuals. We're designed to go for a lot of miles. I talked to a, a food truck guy across the street this week, and I asked him about his food truck because I want to build a food truck for, for Service International. I believe in God. The money's coming in, and I believe in God for a tremendous food truck. So we could drive in places, and during disasters, we could feed people, we could feed our workers, we could feed uh, the paramedics or the doctors or whoever fly in or whoever's there, the family, the homeowners, whoever's displaced. And we could just get some big systems together. I'm really excited about it. We've done these things in a measure, but I think we need a self-contained vehicle. So I was asking this guy about it. And he said, oh, yeah, I bought this truck, and, and, um, and then we built the kitchen, and then we, you know, we had to go through all these inspections. You have to go through St. Louis City, St. Charles, St. Louis County, and he named them all off and, uh, and to be compliant, and, and I was all on that. I, wanted, I had a lot of questions about that. But 
you know, I asked him how old the truck was. Oh, yeah, it has like a half a million miles on it. He said, they have to tow it about four times a year, but, you know. And I thought, I, I think, and he goes, but if you want to get a new one, it's going to cost this much. And I thought, breaking down four times a year or, you know. But he said, they're built to last. He goes, it has a half a million miles on it. Look at somebody next to you and say, I'm built to last. Now look at him and say, but don't ask me how many miles I have on me. Because God wants us to rid ourselves of the phobias. I know this because 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear. God has not given us a phobia orientation. But he has given us a spirit of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. And right embedded in the two is love. Power, love, and a sound mind. And right here in 1 Corinthians you know, it's saying if you have power gifts to move mountains, if you have visionary gifts to prophesy the future, if you have generosity and the gift of giving to, to sacrifice and give and you don't have love, it doesn't count for a hill of beans. On the other hand, let everything you do be done in love. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14 says, the love of Christ constrains us or controls us. I would have to tell you, I think the Lord, the love of God prompted you to, to come in and spend time, carve out a moment and spend time in the word tonight and in worship tonight. It was the love of God that motivated the musicians to practice and rehearse and work. They don't, you know, they don't just go on autopilot. They're still learning new songs. They're still learning new styles. They're still learning new things. And it's love that does that. It's love that you cultivate through the course of your life. It's love that got you here to this point. It's the love of God that got you here to this point. You know, I think about the apostle of love, John, and I think about how church historians say that he lived in Ephesus for a while, for 27 years, and he lived uh, uh, above, outside the city, uh, overlooking uh, the temple of Artemis, or Diana, of the Ephesians. So he was, he was right there in the presence of this idolatry for 27 years. And then uh, one day somebody knocked on his door, arrested him, and threw him on the Isle of Patmos. Um, and uh, King, or the, the Caesar of that time, was a real hater, and he was really mixed up in the head. And he threw this guy to the worst, the Alcatraz of the Greek prison system at the time. And, uh, and he was in a cave, and he was at the base of the Temple of Artemis. And yet, you know, he's the one that... When he was young, he was a, he was a fisherman. He's one of the sons of Zebedee. He was Peter, James, and John, and, uh, or Peter and John, and, and uh, uh, people of means because they had servants in their household. So they were people in Galilee that had a good business and a good system, and they had good economics. Um, and, um, but then when Jesus called him, he left everything, and he followed him. And... Uh, it says that he, you know, he, he laid on Jesus' breast, and he, he was, you know, the imagery of that is, you know, it's, it's like, what? But in, in that era, he was a young kid, and he was responding to Jesus, the rabbi, the Lord, the Savior, the teacher, and he just really leaned into it with all his heart. He, he was a person that really got a revelation, I think, before Peter did. The reason I think he could say five times in his own gospel, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, is because, not because he was being arrogant or bragging, because love doesn't brag. It was, I've got a revelation of how loved I am by God. 
and it's produced something in me. And he became the apostle of love. And uh, he lived to an old, old age. And he wrote the Gospel of John, 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Uh, in his late, late years, history shares that at the end of his life, he used to just say, beloved, love one another. You know, he had such a revelation on love. Well, as did Paul here in 1 Corinthians 13. But I was talking to my son Kingston, and he said, Dad, you know, people call 1 Corinthians 13 the love chapter. He said, I think 1 John chapter 4 is the love chapter too. I said, you know what? I think you're right. So I've approached 1 John chapter 4 uh, fresh with that inspiration. And I want to tag team between 1 Corinthians 13 and 1 John chapter 4 for just a minute. Can we just, we, let's, because we know without love, we're going nowhere. Without, remember what my 69 Ford Falcon was, I mean, it was acting weird. It was scratchy. It had a scratchy throat when I drove into the Sears Automotive. It just kind of came in squeaking. And I got the right guy because he, he just let me know, hey, man, if you want this car to keep working, you, you, you got to get oil in the crankcase. How many of you want to get this car to keep working? And I like the food truck guy's economics. You know, he got the old truck and built a, I, I, but, but he said, you know, it, it breaks down about four times a year, I think. And it, the thing was the size of a house. I thought, what was the bill to haul that thing? Better to get it where it's really going to run for a while, get a newer one. But in case you've got a half a million miles on your crankcase, and I believe God can give you an overhaul and rebuild and refine and repair, right? I believe he could do that in our church. I believe he could do that in our household. You know, there were times when our marriage got a scratchy throat and the crankcase got a little uh, uh, low on the oil. And uh, I remember a minister, he said, if, if two people are walking in love, they'll overcome. They'll overcome. And, uh, I, I, you know, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Beloved, as, as uh, we're to imitate God as beloved children and walk in love. It says in verse 2, walk in love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. What did uh, Stephen Tyler sing in uh, Aerosmith, walk this way? And then run DMC, improved it massively. Walk this way, right? That was a better version. But then before that, they got it from Groucho Marx, where he told his brothers to walk this way, right? And he hunched down with his cigar and his painted on mustache. But God is telling us to walk in love. Everybody say, walk in love. When you walk in love, um, and I just heard Ed's voice, and we, we went on a mission trip, and he came to me, and he said, Pastor Jeff, pray for me, man. I'm, I'm, in, I'm getting tempted. I'm mad. And it was so honest. And I said, what? He goes, I, and so I prayed for him, because he was getting tempted to step out of the love walk. Raise your hands with me right now so you could say I've been there too. And um, I just want to tell you that God does want to power assist us so much so that in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, it says, hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. God the Father sent his son Jesus. God so loved the world, he gave Jesus. God so loved the world, he poured out the Holy Spirit on all flesh. And I'm telling you, 
It's the oil in the motor that causes us to keep going and going and going. Listen, part of what I love about being pastor here in Chesterfield is that just right down the street is the world headquarters for the, the Energizer Battery Company, right? World headquarters. Energizer Bunny lives right down the street. And he keeps going and going and going and going, right? And I, that's what, I, you know, that's what I want to be like when I grow up. I want to increase in wisdom and stature and favor. I want to keep growing and growing. I want to keep falling in love with him over and over and over and over again, right? First John chapter 4, verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. Why? Because love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Say this with me. I'm a love creature. Verse 8, the one who does not love does not know God, for God is love. Now, there's some intense things in chapter 3 on the other side of my Bible here. It says in verse 13, do not be surprised, brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brethren. I'll tell you what, one of the markers of our salvation is the love of God gets in our heart and we get oriented toward love and away from loathing and hatred and phobias. We start loving people. We love people. We love them so much, we want to get them saved. We love them so much, we want to share the gospel so they don't go to hell. We love them so much that we are willing to uh, love and accept, not necessarily endorse, but love people where they're at, Right? And uh, that's really how God's fashioning his people. He said in verse, uh, we pass from death into life, uh, we, and he who does not love abides in death. And then it says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in it. My wife and I were in, in uh, California. We had, I had preached a meeting, and I was driving down Wilshire Boulevard, and lo and behold, there are all these protesters out in the street blocking all the roads. And it was just crazy. You couldn't get past it. They were all out. And, uh, and I didn't know what they were protesting. So when I got home, I turned on the local news, and they were interviewing the people that had blocked the road. And um, I remember a lady, she, she looked in the camera and had a hateful look in her eyes. And she said, we hate George Bush. When she said it, I cringed. I thought, wow. And I saw it in her eyes. It was such a blank, cold, I mean, she meant what she was saying. Hate. And I thought, wow. Does it come to this? Does it come to this? So much hating. And, um, you know, I just turned it off and I began to pray. I thought, wow. I really believed she meant she hate. And this is what the scripture says here about hatred. It says, everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And the one that, and, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding him, in him. So we've got to figure out how to walk the love walk where we're not moving in a, in a, in a hatred orientation. I remember when uh, Canadian uh, singer Justin Bieber uh, had been really ridiculed. He was still a kid, and he, was going, he had had some troubles, but he won a big award at some, I don't know what show it was, and 
So he came up with his backwards hat and his lanky little skinny body, and he got up to the microphone, and he went, this is for all the haters. And, and, and I, just, I, thought, I, thought, I thought it really said a lot. I mean, the kid was a teenager, you know, and he's, this is for the haters. Like, like, like I'll show you. I showed you, didn't I, you haters? And, and, and you know, he struggled with how much. It, he gets out there. He's singing. And actually, he started out with praise and worship. Yeah. And you can see YouTube of him singing praises to God when he's this fresh-faced little kid. And I think, you know, he's, God's helping him to still move in that direction. I did pray for that lady that hated George Bush. And, um, you know, I pray, for, I pray for people because based on these scriptures, God doesn't want us to walk. If we get out of the love walk, we're nothing, right? But on the other hand, if we figure out what it is, I mean, we could still have our opinions. We could still understand and have rational thoughts about things we like and don't like. And hate, in a sense, is a family value because the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. But, man, we don't hate people. No. We're not supposed to hate people. No, we're not. We could hate the devil. We could hate evil. Yeah. Because I think when we start hating people, eventually it's going to get all over the place and become pervasive and, create, and become self-loathing as well. Right. Well, so uh, it says, we know love by this. It says in verse 16, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So this is what we're called to do. We're called to love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. So it says in verse 9, by this the love of God was manifest, chapter 4, verse 9, in us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. See, this is how the love walk starts. God loved me so much that he sent his only begotten son, the unique person of the universe, to come into this world and die for me. The least I can do then is live for him. And in this is love, it says in verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This is my testimony, that God loved me and put his love in my heart, and anything good in the outcome of my life is going to come from this initiation of love, of value, of this intervention of God, and then it's going to cause a shift in our decision-making, in our involvement of things, in our refraining from things, a bridling of our tongue, and overcoming. We're going to go, wait a minute, I'm admonished by the scriptures to walk in love, and so we ought to love one another. Verse 12, no one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So in other words, if we walk in love correctly, people are going to see Jesus in us. Verse 13, by this we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Remember what I said in Romans 5, 5. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God is shed abroad or poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. That's what it said in John when Jesus said, come to me if you're thirsty, out of your innermost being, if you're a believer, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So what I'm preaching here is actually present in our lives. The love of God is inside of us. The fruit of the recreated human spirit starts out with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. 
while I was watching people praising God, and I was praising God, joy came on me. I was watching people truly worshiping the Lord. And it's because that's a characteristic of the recreated human spirit. We've got joy inside of us. We've got, we've got a buoyancy in us. We could do this. And we've also got plenty of love on the inside of us. We could, you know, I just spoke uh, at a meeting with uh, King, Alveda Al King. Uh, her uncle, Martin Luther King Jr., tragically got shot in Memphis. And then the next year, they mysteriously found her father, who was a pastor, at the bottom of the swimming pool with bruises. It's a mystery. And so she's experienced a lot of loss. But there was, t- there was teaching in their movement that it was to be nonviolent. And they really were adamant about it. And she shared a story about how one time somebody was brutish with her friend or her sister or something. And she was about 18 years old. And she got up and she counter moved and she got thrown in jail. And her dad said, now, what part of nonviolence did you forget here? You know? And it was amazing because she had justification for reacting and counterpoint. Point, and, and, and somebody was being very vicious to her and to her friend, really brutal. But yet, uh, even in that harsh situation with amazing loss, there was this core teaching about walking in love. And uh, I, I would say for John to preach this the way he's preaching it, this in this chapter, when he had been so mistreated by the Caesars and so mis- mistreated, he had seen so many things happen. Um, but yet... He's got this highly refined understanding and just goes down the list. You ought to spend some time. Nick, tomorrow morning, get a cup of coffee and reread this chapter. On my Bible, it's just one page right here from the top to the bottom. It's, it's only 21 verses, and you can do it. It says in verse 13, By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. Verse 14, We have seen and testify that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. The Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. Do you guys believe God really loves you? Do you know God so loved the world he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life? John 3, 16. Did you know who wrote that? John 3.16 wrote it. (laughs) And uh, we have come to know and and have believed the love which God has for us. Verse 16, God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. God is love, and the one who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. How many of you like to see a greater manifestation of the glory of God in your life? More results in prayer. Fewer faith disappointments. Mark chapter 11, verse 22, have faith in God. Verse 23, speak to your mountains. Verse 24, pray, believe, and receive when you pray. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone. We got to walk in love. Love is defined in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, and we'll look at it as we finish. But he says, 
In verse 15, whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. We have come to know and have believed the love which God has for us. God is love and everyone who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this love is perfected with us so that we may have confidence in the day of judgment because as he is, so also are we in this world. That last portion of scripture is radical. As he is, so also are we in this world. When Jesus was walking in his earthly ministry as a prince of peace and the carrier of the love of God, no question about it, that's who he is and who he was. But now he says, as he is, so are we in this world. We're called to be emissaries, ambassadors, and carriers of the love of God. And we're called to carry this love when you go into a store and somebody barks at you that you, well, I see you're stocking up. It's like, excuse me, where's the manager? The reason you're existing as a store is to sell stuff. Why would you berate me for buying stuff here? When now I talk to the police and there are now trained uh, shoplifting gangs that are hitting stores. Uh, the other day, uh, Tina Richard was in a store and they were hitting it with just using their arms to fill up bags. They told the, she said to the workers, people are stealing back there. She said, that's okay, insurance will cover it and our li- they told us not to risk our lives. There are places now where they're allowing, you could steal $800 and then you, 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 it's okay. No, it's not okay. It's not okay. But because lawlessness has increased, many people's love has grown cold. Now look, when I was a kid, two things. I did two, a lot of stupid things, but I'm going to select and give you two stupid of my many. I'm only going to tell you two stupid things. I did a lot of stupid things. But I bought an album by David Peel in the Lower East Side called Have a Marijuana in the 1960s. And I went up to buy it, and the lady was older than my mom. And when I paid them, put the cash down, it was like $2.80. She looked at me and gave me that rebukey look like I got at the Sears store when I took in the oilless car. And she was right, because it was a corrupting album. Uh, and then also, I broke my arm in high school. And my brother bought me Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Thank you for that. That was a good album. Although, terrible title, terrible name of the band. Terrible subject matter, but great beat. Anyway, so, uh, right, okay. So anyway, we're all Christians trying to figure that out. It's like, I tap my toes to Black Sabbath, but Black Sabbath, that's a bad name. But in Jesus' name, I'll redeem it. But anyway, so my mom took me to a bookstore, and I went in and I bought Abby Hoffman's Steal This Book. So I was with my mom standing there, and I had a broken arm, and I was putting down my... my, uh, um, I think she bought it for me. I said, you know, and I said, I want this book. So the lady behind the counter looked at the book and looked at me and looked at my mom. She, she said, do you, I, she, do you realize what he's buying here? She said, well, no, I just want, he wanted a book, you know, so he's grown out of comic books, so now he wants to read this revolutionary counterculture book by Abby Hoffman. So that's just two of the stupid things I did. You want to hear more? Come back next week, I'll tell you more. But I was so lost. I was so disoriented. And society was crazy at the time. Society was crazy in the late 60s. Look, when Alveda King was talking about what she went through, that was crazy. Uh, When they had the, the Chicago 7 or 8 or whatever the count was, 
That was crazy. Look, I remember when uh, Denny, he passed a couple years ago. Remember Denny? Denny Dodson talked to John, John Barbeau. Thank you. See, I'm now thinking of my Have a Marijuana album and my Abby Hoffman book, and it gave me some sort of a buzz. But anyway, and I remember Denny Dodson, who was an anti-war demonstrator, went up to, to uh, John Barbeau, who was a wounded, decorated Vietnam vet. And they walked up here outside in the parking lot at our church, and he said, you know what, John? I... I I want to apologize just generally for the way I behaved during that period. John said, well, what? And it wasn't toward each other, but they had this relief in the context of being redeemed and seeing life in a new perspective in Jesus. Two different orientations came together in the context of redemption and said, you know what? This is how we know we're disciples, that we have love for one another. We, we, we look and we, we don't just base our lives and foment over our differences. We work toward that unifier of the love of God, which cleanses us of all unrighteousness. And then we walk this out and carry this out. Can you, are you guys hearing what I'm saying? Abby Hoffman committed suicide. Uh, you know, David Peel died. I mean, it was just, it was just a bunch of counterculture. And then it, what did it do? It was just a bunch of disturbing counterculture disruption. It didn't help, sure didn't help me. What helped me, though, were people that came along that had reached this conclusion about Jesus, shared the gospel, carried this gospel message with power. Ralph Wilkerson, who started Melody Land out there in Anaheim, right down the street from Disney. Uh, The Jesus movement that God precipitated in the midst of all the chaos. Um... The world was crazy when I got saved. It was very upsetting. I would go to school and find out people that had died from second all overdoses and things like that. Other crazy things I wish I could tell you, maybe sometime I will before I get too old, about crazy conversations I had in my high school in California with people that had an agenda, 25, 30, 40 year agenda, and it's coming to pass. Things that happened to me when at a debate at college when somebody called me and asked me to get up and speak and I spoke a dissenting word about something that has actually occurred in our culture to undermine the whole flow of the system of things. But when I think about the Apostle John who is banished to the Isle of Patmos and they stuck it and he ended up in a cave right underneath the temple of Artemis but gets a great revelation about Jesus and his marvelousness and then goes back and he's able to, in his late years, write down these things. Uh, and then we, we focus on this. We love, verse 19, because he first loved us. So did I say I was going to finish with 1 Corinthians 13? Let's all stand up on our feet. I'm six minutes over my target, but I'm just getting started. Look at verse 4. I want you to say this with me. Love is patient. Love is kind. And it's not jealous. Love does not brag or is arrogant. Does not act unbecomingly. It does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. Does not rejoice in unrighteousness, 
but rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never fails.